It is what you know that has gotten you to where you are. It is what you don't know that will get you to where you want to be. Knowledge. The biggest barrier to learning is knowing. And knowing what you know is very limiting because it's only gotten you to where you are and it's helped you acquire what you have now. If you want more, you have to learn more. If you want to earn more, you also have to learn more. So when it comes to using the most valuable computer in the world, the one between your ears, it's important to activate that on a constant basis to keep growing your life. The only way to grow your life is to grow your knowledge and grow your thoughts and grow your questions and grow your curiosity. So a lot of people, I guess, don't think. They just sort of react to based on what they know now rather than respond to what they need to know to get a better outcome, whether that be in your personal life, whether that be in your professional life, whether that be in your recreational life. So I always have a nice little process of how to become successful in every area of your life. Number one <clears throat> is think about exactly uh, what you want. What does your life look like? What does your business look like? What is the perfect business for you? Visualize that business very clearly with clarity <clears throat> and look at how it all operates from a profitable point of from a profit point of view from a personal point of view from a product and service point of view from an experience point of view and also most importantly how it serves your life and the life that you want to live now when you visualize that then ask yourself what do i need to know what do i need to learn to make that happen so the first is the visualization of your goal. The second is what <clears throat> do you need to learn and what do you need to know? What is the knowledge that you don't have now? What is the skills that you don't have now? What is the experience that you don't have now that will put you in a position where you can create that perfect business or that perfect life or that perfect relationship or that perfect sporting performance or achievement, whatever that might be. <clears throat> so knowledge is really important. And then you have to look out where am I going to get that knowledge? Where is the best source of knowledge, the best source of skills, the best source of uh, experience? And that may come from a variety of uh, avenues. It could come from books. And I was taught once that your future will be dependent upon the books you read and the people that you hang out with. Now, obviously, back in the day, this is where we acquired knowledge in books. But now you can get knowledge from the internet and all sorts of <coughs> social media websites and all sorts of places that you can acquire knowledge. But when I say book, I mean where you're going to get it in a formalized way. And I, as you can see, my books are full of uh, people who have actually done it, not necessarily theorized it. Now, there are, I always look, there's two different types of books. There are books who are people who are talking about success, but they actually haven't done it, but they analyze and study other people and they write a book on other people or other businesses or other sports people and they look at all the clues and all the keys and all the formulas and all the checklists that make you successful and write a book and you can get a lot out of that because basically that collectively gets all the different ideas from that author's uh, I guess research and puts it into a book where you can actually go through and work out the formula of success for your business 
for your life, for your sporting, your sport, or your relationship, whatever it might be. And there's all sorts of books, and there's you know, there's limitless amount of books out there that you can acquire. But obviously, you want to seek the books that you think that are more credible. Check out the author to make sure they're credible, that they have the experience, or maybe not the experience, but the intelligence and the wisdom. And look, and obviously, word and mouth is a big part of that. They're books that really take off because people read them and they become successful from them. The other type of book is the book that's written by someone who's actually done it. They don't study it, they have actually done it. And you've probably noticed in my collection of books, there's a combination of both of them, but there's also lots of books and people have done it, you know, from uh, sporting, from martial arts, from business, and there people have actually written the books about what they've done. My personal view, that's probably the best source because you're not just going to get the formula, but you're also going to get the ethos or the, uh, yeah, the context, not just the content uh, of what makes people successful. You're going to get the journey and the experience and the emotion, not just the logic. And many times success isn't just, is, isn't just logic. It's not, isn't just content. It's not just tangible things. Many times it's emotional, non-tangible things that make someone successful that they can apply the tangible things to become successful. And the best place to get that is to read about or study the experience of someone else going through a journey from achieving what they want to achieve and learning from not just the uh, what they did, but what they thought and how they handled that emotional journey. So one of the sources, obviously, is getting knowledge from books or sources on the website or universities or colleges or from um, uh, websites and incredible red sites and there's organizations out there for different uh, sectors of the business community that you can acquire great content of information. The other source is uh, from directly with other people. Now everyone is an expert in their own knowledge. <laughs> everyone is an expert in their life. So I guess you have to seek that people who have done what you want to do. And it may not necessarily be exactly what you want to do, but they've done and they've achieved and they've overcome the hurdles to achieve a significant uh, level of success, whether it be in business or finance or relationships or sport, whatever it might be. And, you know, it's interesting that Rory and I talk a lot about the books that we read and the uh, people that we study. And I guess one of the things that we do is we study greatness. I guess I'm always thinking about greatness. And I learned this great philosophy from Ferrari. The reason why we are the best is because we know we can always get better. Any great athlete, even if they win, they want to get better for the next event. They're always seeking that improvement, continue never-ending improvement in J J uh, Japan, Martial arts, we call it on means you're always wanting to get better at your skill, at your art, at your craft, or even at your, your business and at your life. And I have this great philosophy, which I, I saw learnt from the great psychologist Friedman Freud. And when Friedman Freud is you know, one of the world-leading psychologists and very famous, and he, whether you agree or disagree with his principles, you know, we know him, but we probably don't know you. So he's done something of, of significance and added value to the world through his... You know, study of psychology and expertise of the psychology. And when he was a kid, he always he said when he was a kid, <clears throat> he used to go to bed. His father would always come into his room, and he was asking the same question. Says Sigmund, "What did you learn today?" 
And sometimes he had learnt it, I think, and he could, it was around that time that his father was going to come in and ask that question. So he would get up out of bed and he would get out the, uh, the, one of the encyclopedias of information and he would scan to a page and find something uh, that he could learn so he could share with his father. What's interesting is that those little bites or snacks of information that he did every single day across many, many years of life accumulated into a huge pool of knowledge and wisdom. And because once you get that momentum of learning, you always seek to learn more and you seem to be more open to new ideas. So that's a nice principle which I applied to my life many, many years ago when I realised that I was probably at a plateau in my professional career, a plateau in my business. It was comfortable. Yes, some people saw me as being being successful because I had what they wanted but I knew deep down in myself I was more than what I have and more than what I do. So I wanted to grow my business and grow my life and grow my success. So I took on that principle. I realized that if I wanted to grow more I had to know more. So I started the re-entering learning because I went through university and I guess I was spoon-fed information that gave me the information that I needed and I had the experience in the gyms and and other businesses to start up my own business which I thought was a super successful business but I'd yeah it was basically a sole trader selling my time and I wanted to take it to the next level to the next level to the next level but I needed the knowledge of stepping stones the stepping stones of knowledge to get up there so I always ask myself this question. I adapted Sigmund Freud's quote, and his quote was, what have I learnt today? And I changed it. I changed it to what have I learnt today and what have I done today? Because learning leads to knowledge, but action leads to success. So you can become the most educated derelict in the world who's done nothing, super knowledgeable, but done nothing, and sometimes we, that might be, you know, some people refer to them as pure academics. You know, they, they, they got more degrees than a thermometer, but they've actually done nothing with it. And that's okay if their journey is to learn and get those degrees and then pass that on to the next generation so they can do something with it. There's certainly nothing wrong with that at all because they're just the messenger of information. They may not have acted on it, but don't necessarily judge the messenger um, they don't judge the knowledge based on the messenger because sometimes great knowledge can come from very uh, obscure and awkward and diverse uh, uh, sources of messengers. Uh, sometimes you can learn from people who don't succeed. You know, Jim Rowe, one of my favourite uh, business philosophers, they call him the Socrates of business philosophy. And uh, he was guess, one of my mentors that really opened up my mind and me to seek wisdom and the philosophy of life, and uh, he says sometimes, you know, it's great to study successful people, but sometimes it's important to study unsuccessful people. (laughs) You know, look at the books that they're reading and don't read them. Look at what they're doing and do the opposite. So you can learn from both, both sides. You can learn from the people who succeed and you learn from the people who don't succeed. Look at the people who are lazy and don't do what they do. They spend all their time sitting on the couch eating chips, watching Netflix, and they're wondering why their life or their career or their business or whatever it might be is not growing. Then maybe they're not using their time in a valuable way uh, that's going to give them the skills and the knowledge and the experience that's going to grow their life. So you can't dig a hole if you don't have the tools. <laughs> you certainly can't dig a hole if you're sitting on the couch watching TV. So 
you know, it's important that, you know, think of what you want and then think of what you need to learn and where you're going to source that information, whether that be from books or from people. And the people is that uh, you develop what we call a mastermind group. A mastermind group is a group of people that you get together and you brainstorm uh, ideas. Uh, but again, I learned from the uh, Jack Reacher in the book, the Jack Reacher series, one of my, my favorite book series. He has a, a quote he said in one of his books is, don't brainstorm with people who don't have any brains. So be very careful of who you select in your mastermind group. It means they're the master of the minds. <clears throat> and they're people who have done significant things, not necessarily directly in your lane, but they've achieved great things in their lanes. And obviously, if you can find someone who's very successful in your lane, then you're going to get some inside information uh, and knowledge and wisdom and, and thought processes of how to succeed. And it's important to surround yourself with great, like-minded people. You know, at the beginning of the program, we talk about campers, climbers, and pullers. And, uh, you know, climbers are people who climb the mountain of success. They chase their dreams, they chase their goals, and they achieve them, they climb, and they fall down, they get back up, and they keep going. There's a campers who sit at the bottom of the mountain thinking about climbing, but they never actually take any action on it. And then there's the pullers of the people who uh, try to stop you from climbing it because you climbing it makes them look bad because they're not climbing their mountain. We call them the cynics, the critics, uh, the naysayers, as Arnie Schwarzenegger would say. And again, one of the person I've studied, he's a very successful person in his lane of in movies and he became a governor. And he's a, a guy who could barely speak English from Austria and he went to America and chased the dream and achieved it. So there's lots of things that you can learn <coughs> from people. Uh, who have done great things in their field of expertise, whether that be in the movies or in sport or in business or in the area of religion or politics. You know, so your book should be you know, a combination of all sorts of people from all different walks of life because you can learn from everyone who's done great things. And obviously, you can learn from people who haven't done anything. You can learn the reverse. You know, if someone's rude, then you say, well, that's not what I don't want to be. If someone is not very successful, then you look at their thought processes. And because a lot of the time, you can tell what's going in someone's mind by the words they say. People who don't achieve things says, I can't do it. People who do achieve things says, how can I do it? So my point being is seek a circle of influence, we call it a mastermind group of people that you hang out with that are um, high-level high thinkers. And there's a great saying, if, if, if um, you're the most successful person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. <laughs> if you're you know, the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Because if you want to get smarter, you want to become more successful, you have to hang out with people who, who have done more than you or more successful than you in the uh, measuring sticks that you use to measure success in that field. You know, if I want to become a faster runner, I don't join a walking club. And a lot of people like to surround themselves with people who aren't as smart as them to make them feel more smart about themselves. But really, they're fooling themselves. You want to surround yourself with people who are smarter and better and more intelligent than you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to outgrow them. A lot of the people I have mentored, a lot of graduates I've mentored, uh, and they've been my protege for 5, 10, 20 plus years, Many of them have actually grown their business and success to a greater level uh, that I was successful in that particular field. Uh, one of uh, my protégés and a good friend for well over 20 years, Andrew Simmons, now has a personal training franchise with over 60 personal training uh, studios, turning over $60 million with 500 trainers, training over 10,000 people. Now, I've never done that, but obviously in that journey, 
he tapped into myself and Rory's mind to help him and you know have someone to bounce ideas off and yeah, without judgment and to help guide mentor through different processes uh, but what's interesting is you know that's where the student has uh, gone beyond uh, the master or the teacher because the greatest compliment a teacher can get is when their student becomes more successful than them and many of my graduates have actually done that one of my graduates Greg Evangelou and uh, Cleo, they're both graduates and I've been mentoring him for you know well over 16 years now since he was 18 years of age and now he has this three-story magnificent most luxurious gym in the middle of Brisbane City and he's achieved which I've never achieved I never had a gym that size and I've worked in gyms I've had personal training studios but he's grown his success beyond what I've achieved in that, that field, which is a great uh, compliment. That's the best compliment. People say, how can I say thank you for helping me? The best thank you you can give me is become more successful than me. I get more satisfaction out of one of my martial arts students winning a world championship than me who's won many world championships. I get more satisfaction. You know you're a great coach when you get more satisfaction out of your students or your athletes or your protege's success than you do out of your success because you're passing it on to the next generation but to do that you know you wanting to become successful you want to surround yourself with great minded people and action oriented people and thoughtful people and people who think critically and they think thoughtfully and they think with their mind not with their you know their their emotions <clears throat> and you want to create that it's like creating a great team and you know there's a book I just bought recently uh, called um, the Legacy, which is the, uh, here is Steve Hansen, The Legacy, which is a great rugby union coach for the All Blacks, and it's called The Legacy of how they built a, a culture in the All Blacks and a team that has become, I guess anyone says, oh, we're playing the All Blacks, and it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a case of you're not going to win, it's just how much you're going to lose by, and if you have a good day, you might almost beat them on an off day. Because they built this fantastic culture within the All Blacks uh, yeah, team and that culture, and you can tap into that. And how do they do that? And how can I take those ideas and those those thoughts and those uh, philosophies, and how can I implement that into my business? Uh, and if you want to create a great team, then you need a, a great coach, and you need you know, like-minded uh, athletes or people in your team, in your business team, who want to seek greatness, who want to become better. One of my uh, students who owns a gym at the moment, who had around about 12 full-time trainers, he realised that after that awkward time during COVID, a lot of his trainers became complacent because the government paid them to stay at home, and all of a sudden they lost that hunger, that eye of the tiger. So he said, I need to change the culture. So basically what he did is, he removed about six of those teams because they were too far gone to changing their mindset back to the mindset that of becoming um, uh, a great trainer and being committed to the cause and being completely dedicated and the extra mile, they became minus mile. So he removed them off the team because they were infecting the culture and they were infecting the other team. We say, yeah, you only need one bad apple in a fruit bowl and then before you know all the fruit's gone bad, you need to remove that quickly. Uh, and that's really important because if you can't save the apple, then you have to remove the apple because that apple will drag the rest down. So we removed six and he brought new 16 players on. 
and they are young and vibrant and energetic and ambitious and driven and they've just created a whole new culture that buzz of positivity and hope and you know, we're going we're gonna to conquer this and conquer that and all of a sudden the whole culture in his gym has changed just by moving the team and sports coaches do that all the time. They, uh, they move you know, players out and bring players in, and all of a sudden the whole culture of the team changes for the, the right players in and remove the... And they're not necessarily based on talent. Sometimes it's just the attitude. Wayne Bennett, the great football coach of... Uh, here he is. Wayne Bennett, the great football coach of the Broncos. He's won six championships, and uh, he's known as probably the best uh, you know, um, all-time coach in rugby league in history. And uh, he shared this great little uh, view of when he watched his players train and <clears throat> they're doing sprints, he looks at the end and see which players are slowing down before the finish line and which ones are accelerating past the finish line. And he identified the ones who are accelerating past the finish lines are seen to be the ones that become the future leaders because they don't fall short. They do go, go the extra mile. And there's those little clues that you can learn from other crafts and other sports and other industries to apply to your your business. And obviously you want to pick a great team. Jack Walsh, who was the CEO of General Electric, who was voted many times the greatest CEO in America. And uh, he wrote a great book called Winning, another one from the gut. And he talks about the 70-20-10 rule. And he'll identify there's always 10% of your team that probably needs to be removed. Because, you know, they're in the forest, we call them dead wood. You need to burn them off. And that's not good or bad. That's just they have a change of attitude. Then they become uh, passengers. They're not drivers of, of the team. And then you have that 20% of people who are the leaders and they're the drivers and they're the, they're the people who lift the team. And then you have the 70% uh, in the middle, which are the workers. And if that 10% grows too much, those workers will go to the lazy side. Uh, but if you keep that thin and you keep the leaders high, then they will tend to go towards the, the drive size that will drive the business to the places that you want to drive it. So, yes, uh, getting great mentors, getting great uh, coaches in your life is really important. And that's not just within your circle of influence, your mastermind group, your group of critical thinkers where you throw ideas around, but also you want to also you know, take those lessons and apply it to building your own team to build your business. And many times businesses need to uh, attract great people for them to grow because the height of a business is determined by the people in that business, particularly if it's a business which is in the people-orientated business. And in the fitness profession, it is very much people-orientated. We need trainers, we need personal trainers, we need sales consultants, we need managers, we need supervisors, we need owners, you need uh, group exercise instructors. So all of that is a people experience. It's not like you're going to buy a can of Coke at the local shop. It doesn't matter who serves you. The Coke, yeah, the person who serves you could have a bad attitude, but it doesn't change the taste of the Coke. You don't blame the Coke for the person who serves you. If you go and buy a CD, you don't blame the rude person at the CD shop. Not that there's CD shops around anymore, uh, because the, the product is very much, uh, I guess, quarantined from poor experiences with people. But in the people business, uh, we're very much exposed to um, poor experiences because many times people will leave your business because they have a bad experience with one of your team players. So you really have to be on top of that. But you also have to be on top of yourself because people will watch more than what you do than listen to more what you say. So as a great leader, you have to be a thoughtful, critical 
uh, mindful leader, an action-oriented leader, to apply things that you're learning. And people love change if they have someone to uh, instigate that change with confidence and certainty for them. Because uh, people always want to be a part of a bigger thing. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And that's one of the human needs of growth. But they need to be a part of it in a certain way, in the secure way. Uh, and that's called the... Uh, um, uh, uh, a human need of certainty, and that's where you need a great leader, where they have faith in you that it's going to be okay because you're going to do all these great things and you're going to make sure it all works, and they want to be a part of that. So uh, if you, yeah, there's a great saying, which I learned from Jim Rowan, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And the great saying by the great Einstein, you know, uh, doing the same thing, expecting a different result is the definition of insanity, you drive you mad. A lot of people keep doing the same thing and they're wondering why they're not getting different results in their personal life, in their profession, in their career, in their business. So if you want things to change, you have to change first. Yeah, As uh, I think um, uh, Mandela once said, be the change that you want to see in the world. Be the change you want to see in the world. So if you don't change, nothing's going to change. So you have to change your thinking process because people who become successful think very differently than people who don't become as successful depending on how you uh, measure success. The people who have successful marriages think differently than people who have turbulent or divorced marriages. People who uh, become rich think differently than people who are poor because your mind is your compass. Your mind is the most powerful thing, uh, the power of the mind, because that will set the compass for you to take action on and to also to be acting to respond to any obstacles that come along. But collective thinking is very, very powerful if you get the right collective and the right mastermind group. And when you build a team in your business, then you want to be able to also ask for ideas in an open um, environment with no... Uh, criticism or cynicism or judgment and uh, I've had teams in the past where I've had over 200 staff uh, in different companies uh, along that way and many times a lot of the great ideas that uh, I've had don't, haven't come from me they've come from some of my team players because they felt open enough and the door was always open I have an open door policy so much so I didn't even actually have the door my desk was amongst all of my team you know, I learned that from Screw Turner, who built uh, Flight Center. And see, all these great lessons I've learned from other great successful... You know, Flight Center is a billion-dollar uh, business all around the world. And he doesn't have an office. He doesn't have a fancy office. His he, desk is actually a door, <laughs> like a door on a thing, yeah, an old door. And he put it on these uh, you know, uh, legs... And he sits amongst his team. So he's very, he treats everyone's the same because no one's more important than the other. The, you know, if your cleaner stops cleaning your business, people will stop coming to your business. So the cleaner is just as important as the CEO. We have a different job description, but what we both do is very, very critical. Your financial, chief financial officer, your chief executive officer, from your salespeople, from your frontline team, from the person who answers the phone to the cleaner. Everyone is just as important because teamwork makes the dream work, Why? Right? And it only takes one thing in an engine of a car to be disconnected and the car doesn't work. And it could be the little smallest, tiniest thing, but that little thing is tiny, but it makes a big difference if it's not working. So everyone uh, is important 
and everyone deserves to share their thoughts. And if you can create an environment where your team can share their thoughts without judgment or uh, without criticism, then you're going to get a lot. Now, we do know that you may have to go through a lot of mud and a lot of dirt to get to the gold. But if you don't go through the mud and the dirt, you never get to the gold. So lots of ideas that may come across your table and lots of ideas that you may have yourself may be silly. But you don't know, really, because we thought it was silly once that we thought that, hey, we can fly. But the Wright brothers proved that that wasn't silly at all. If you look at life today, and I've been fortunate enough to be on this great planet for you know, approaching 60 years, and the things that we do now, older once thought that was silly. Everything that has been achieved was once thought silly. The concept of the internet was silly back when there was no internet. The concept of mobile phones, that, that was just silly in my mind when there were no mobile phones. The concepts of lots of things today is silly back in the day when we didn't actually have it. So there's no such thing as a silly idea. So just remember, that there's no such thing as a silly idea. If a silly idea comes across your table and you think it's silly, it's because you're silly. <laughs> it's not because the idea is silly, because we never thought we'd get to the moon, and we never thought, people obviously question that, but they question there's always going to be the conspiracy theorists. But don't ever think of any idea of silly. When I first started, and I, was, I guess I was fortunate enough that I did things that no one had done. I was one of the first personal trainers uh, in Australia, uh, back in the uh, late 80s. And uh, everyone thought it was silly. So no one's going to pay for personal training. No one's going to pay that. And they just go to the gym for $5 a week or whatever it might be. But I didn't think it was silly. I didn't listen to the naysayers. I didn't listen to the dream stealers. I just thought, well, if I'm thinking it, if I'm thinking it, then someone else is thinking it. I can't be the only person in the world thinking this. There's no such thing as an original thought. There might be, you might be the first person to take action on that thought. But that doesn't mean other people have not thought about taking action on that thought previously. They just haven't taken action on it. So the first isn't necessarily the, the person who took action is not necessarily the person who thought about it first. They're just the person who took action on it. So being one of the first trainers uh, in Australia, obviously we now know that that wasn't a silly idea <laughs> because it's now a massive, massive uh, profession. I was one of the first people to... Uh, open a personal train studio and everyone thought that was silly. Why do people go and pay to go to a studio when they go to the gym and get all the equipment and all the razzmatazz of, of the gym for a lot less? But I believe if I'm thinking it, someone else will. So some people want to train in the privacy of a studio, they want that intimacy, they want that personalization, they want that non-intimidating environment. But at that time it was silly, but now there's personal train studios all over the world. I was one of the first people to start a personal training course in the early 90s. Uh, no one else was doing it. But I thought, if I'm doing it, other people want to do this, and they don't know how to do it. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was just sort of making my way through on my growing knowledge at that particular time because I didn't have a mentor to teach me how to do it because no one had done what I wanted to do. But I sort of grabbed ideas from other business ideas and other business uh, mentors and leaders and applied it to my industry. So I created a course, and people thought, well, people, people won't do that because there's no industry. Well, there, I know there's no industry now, except for me, but I know this would be a big industry. And so I started a personal training course, and Rory was uh, one of the uh, first lecturers on that course. <laughs> she remembers the day. So there's no such thing <clears throat> as a silly idea. There's just silly people who criticise as great ideas, which they can't connect to or haven't been implemented yet or maybe ahead of their time. One of my uh, 
clients many years ago, Rob Vogues, he's a, he's a bit of a genius, so we're all lateral thinker, and that's what we're talking about today, lateral thinker, and he uh, you know, had this idea about a smokeless cigarette. Back in the days when, when you fly on a plane, that you'd have the non-smoking section and the smoking section in a plane, isn't that funny? So you could, he was sitting at the end of the, uh, end of the non-smoking and the next seat behind him was the smoking. So he's in the non-smoking but all the smoke was coming across and he says, this cannot continue, this is just, doesn't make any common sense. And he said, there's going to be a time where this is going to be banned, but people will still want to be able to get a hit of nicotine. Uh, and they'll want to maybe do it in a safer way, in, in, in a, more in a way they can administrate the, the dosage. So he came across this, this idea of creating a smokeless uh, cigarette, a electronic cigarette. Now, this was back in uh, the early 90s when I was training him, and he came up with a prototype, which was about this big when he first started, and I said, so how come you haven't made this? Because he said, I'm waiting for the technology to catch up to my idea. Something to do with the bubble jet technology and the size of the particles. And not only was that going to be something that you can implement to uh, administering nicotine, but you could use it in other medical, uh, you know, medical uh, you know, devices, I suppose, and administering other medicines in a more controlled way rather than orally or injecting, you can actually inhale it. And uh, he was way ahead of his time, and he had a lot of critics back then. I remember them because some of them were at the gym that I was training at. But there were also people who said, "Yeah, this guy's done some great things." Remembering he had already, he was retired at that time, and he took a computer idea uh, over in um, Belgium, and he um, maybe in the Netherlands. He had, uh, and he grew that company from a, an idea to a forty-five million dollar company, and he listed on the European Stock Exchange, and he sold it. On. But what's really interesting is you look around there, everyone has those vapors. And a lot of that technology came from his idea, which he, um, he put into his own IP, he sold it on to bigger companies, and now he gets a royalty for that. So there's someone who's a really out of the box thinker. And if you're in the box, you're never going to think of any new ideas. And if you're in the box with other people, you're never going to come with new ideas. As the great Einstein beautifully put it, is that imagination is more powerful than education. Because education is defining, education is limited. You've been taught what we already know. Imagine, imagination is, is thinking about what we don't know and what is possible and what could be. And that's what it's all about business. What could your business be? What could your life be? And then you have to think outside the box. And you know, because no one else has done it doesn't mean it can't be done. And because other people criticise it, because that's a big part of what some people criticise. But you ask yourself, have, have, have they done it? <laughs> have they achieved their goal? they climbed their mountain? Are they that type of people who's always criti critical of other people doing things or critical of ideas? The best, best way to deal with that is don't share your ideas. Don't share your ideas with people who don't support, support your ideas. Don't share your idea with the dream sellers. Don't share your dreams with dream sellers. They'll try to steal them. Share your ideas with people who support your ideas or support your goals or your dreams. And they go, yeah, that's the team that you want because that's going to be supported. And they'll throw some ideas and throw the ideas into the hat. You know, whether that be from your team in your business, you get lots of great. And then when people share an idea in a business and you say, that's a great idea, let's implement it. Um, then they really take ownership of it, and they, they work, and they really work hard to make it work because it is a part of their idea. And sometimes an idea is just a seed, and it will grow into something bigger and something better. Because 
many ideas will grow into a new version of the idea when you get other people's views on it. Okay, that's a great idea. Now, how can we make it better? And what are the obstacles? What do we have to overcome? So when you come across growing a business or growing an idea and turning that into an enterprise or turning it crystallising into something which is tangible, then you have to get all the knowledge. And sometimes that knowledge may not exist if it's a new idea, if you're the pioneering of it, but that's okay. Your mind will, if you ask the right questions to yourself, and you ask the right questions to your mastermind group, and you ask the right questions to your team, they'll collectively come up with uh, great solutions. You know, I always say when I was a, had a lot of team, if someone come to me with a problem, I'd say, I'm very open for you to share your problem with me. I'm very open for you to share uh, a challenge, right? First of all, let's not call it a problem. Let's call it a challenge because a problem seems to be more like a barrier. A challenge is more something that you want to overcome. It's a challenge. I overcame that challenge. Whether that's a problem. So don't be a, a problem focuser. Be a solution finder. But... My question was, if you come to me with a problem, you have to come with me with three solutions. Because <clears throat> that gets people thinking for themselves. A lot of people focus on the barriers. They focus on the problems. They're not focusing on the solutions or plan B or plan C or plan D or plan E. They just focus on A, which is the problem. But there's, if there's a barrier, there's many ways around it. Over the top, going around it, going under it, blowing it up, or just walking away from it. So there's many ways that you can deal with it. But if you come to me with a problem, make sure you have at least three solutions. Now, I'm not, so I don't say one, because if I say one, it doesn't get you thinking deep. You're looking at just superficial, obvious solutions, which may not be the right solution. If I say three, you now you have to automatically think of the first one, but then you have to dig a bit deeper, and then even a bit deeper for the third one. And many times the solution might be the third one, or combination of the three, or the combination of the three that leads you to a fourth one. So you become what we call a deep thinker, not just an obvious superficial thinker, and then go, well, well, that won't work because that's the solution, but that won't work. Well, what if we could change it to make it work? Or what would be another option? If, if we could do it, what would we do? If we did know, what would we have to know to do it? So... Yes, you can actually collectively get lots of uh, ideas from different team players and your mastermind group and you can apply them in the, uh, the initial seed or that seed may grow into a different seed or a different plant as you plant it and grow it. And then as you do it, then you have to inspect what you expect and then you have to monitor that, that progress and then make changes along the way. If it's a new idea, you may say, okay, well, that, that we got it started, but many ideas that I've come up with or my team's come up with or my mastermind's helped me with over the years, as I've, as I've grown it, I've changed it and changed it. So the, the, it's turned into this, but the start wasn't anything like that, but that got it started. Sometimes you just got to plant the seed and you think it's going to be an apple tree and it ends up being an orange tree <laughs> uh, or some other form of fruit, but it still turns out to be better than what, what it was at the start. So that's where when you implement ideas and you start to grow ideas into you know, tangible uh, results, then you have to monitor those results and say, okay, well, how can we make that better? It's like uh, Ferrari, every, they, they come out with a new model probably every five years. Uh, and when they create one model, as soon as they release that model of that car, and most cars do this, as soon as they release that, they're already working on the next car, the next release. And they learn from how can I take, make that better? What did I learn from that? 
what worked and what didn't quite work and what can I do to make the next one better. And if you look at maybe even computer programs like Microsoft, there's lots of different versions or Apple, the different versions of Apple, they, the first model, version one, two, iPhone, three, four, all the way up, they keep getting better because they think outside the box. They think beyond where they are. This is, hey, we've achieved this, great, pat yourself on the back. So it's really important to be grateful for what you got while exploring what you want and keep growing that. And that way, if you do that, you will stay always ahead of the marketplace. You always stay ahead of your competitors because if your competitors are copying you, they're copying the previous season or they're copying the previous edition or they're copying the previous idea. You've already moved on to the next. And when you've got it, then change it. There's a great book by... Uh, Tom Peters called The Innovation, uh, Innovation of Thought, I believe. I can't quite remember the title of the book, but he says, if it's not broken, break it. <laughs> because if it's not broken, it will soon become age. It will soon become yesterday's idea. It will soon uh, be yesterday's model. So if it's not broken, break it. So great ideas come from a great result, then breaking it apart and making it better, and breaking it apart and making it better, and breaking it apart, breaking, and do that with your mind. And the great part of that it stops you from getting mentally lazy. It stops you from getting, <laughs> I guess, dementia or uh, health, um, mental, mental health challenges or Alzheimer's because your mind's always working. One of the worst things you can do is to stop your mind being activated and stop thinking about ideas and stop inventing ideas. And that's you know, why I love doing martial arts because there's lots of patterns and lots of movements and lots of physical and mental connection. And if you can do that also in your business, if you're always reinventing yourself or reinventing your business, and that business is a moving target, it's always evolving and getting better, your mind's always getting better. And if you engage your team to be a part of that process, then collective thinking, uh, whether it be critical thinking or thoughtful thinking or goal setting or dream dream setting, what it might be, all of that collectively creates this magnificent energy uh, in yourself and in your business. And there's nothing better than when a team actually achieves a great result. And I've competed in martial arts and I've won world championships in individual, which is very satisfying. Don't get me wrong, it's very, very satisfying. But when I actually compete in a team... It's just a different feeling, you know, because now you're joyful for other people's wins and you're joyful for the team's wins because <clears throat> if, you want to, if you want to make the team better, you have to be better and, you do, and your driving force is to do it for the team, not just yourself, for a greater cause. And some of the world championships I've won in teams have been, I wouldn't say more, more satisfying, but it's a different feeling in a team when you work together to achieve, you know, uh, you know, because you know, team is, you know, together each achieves more, as the great old saying goes. And, but I'm also a bit of a solo person, so I also like to do my individual things where, you know, if I, if I fail, because I've got no one to, to blame but the person in the mirror. Sometimes in the team, you, you put 100% in, but the team doesn't achieve what it wants to achieve because maybe someone dropped off but you find with a great coach then that coach will massage that and adapt that to make sure all the team are on their game on game day whether that be on your business and the thing with business uh is every day is game day <laughs> every day you get up in the morning you go in there and you're, you're ready to implement 
ideas and you're going to test and measure them. You're going to change them. If something doesn't work, then you change that system. If something doesn't work, you ask people's advice. If something doesn't go well, if something goes great, then you say, hey, hey let's, let's use this great result and apply that across uh, the business. Get other people's ideas uh, and then, then go for it. But always, always remember is that uh, it's, it may not always work, but that's okay. In jiu-jitsu, there's a great saying, there's no winning. In jiu-jitsu, there's no winning and losing. There's just winning and learning. So if things don't work out, means it doesn't mean that you lost. It just means that you learnt, and you take that lesson, and you take another action, uh, and then you learn from that by winning or learning again. Winning and If you keep winning and learning, winning and learning, winning and learning across your life and your business life, you will win enough but those wins many times will come from the learning from the losses or the mistakes or the stuff-ups or the muck-ups. And that's okay. It's not going to kill you. This, it's just as long as you don't attach your ego to the outcome, you'll be fine. If you attach your ego to the outcome, it's going to be a rocky road. If you don't blame other people, there's a great uh, story in How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, one of the greatest uh, books ever written on success and communication about the pilot. And he hopped, hopped, you know, he's in his plane and he ran out of petrol uh, because the person, the fuel guy, forgot to put petrol to top up the petrol in the plane. And uh, he was feeling really bad because he could have killed the pilot because he stuffed up, he didn't put the petrol in the plane and all that stuff. And I won't go into the detail of it. And uh, he says, I understand if you want to sack me. And the pilot said to him, you're the last person I'm going to sack because I know you feel so bad about that mistake. I know that you never, ever make it again. So, you know, sometimes a big mistake can be a great lesson that you don't want to get rid of. It's like the uh, gentleman which I've read in one of the other uh, many books I've read over my journey about the guy who made a decision on behalf of the company and lost a million dollar contract. And he went into the boss's office and said, look, I understand you want to sack me because I just lost the, uh, uh, the million dollar contract. And uh, the boss says, why would I sack you? I just spent a million dollars on educating you. Because <laughs> I know you're never going to make that mistake again because it was so costly. Therefore, it's really scarred you in a way that you're not going to do that again. So I want you to embrace sometimes the results that don't go your way and turn them into lessons. And then you're going to apply that to become successful. As in the great book, uh, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, who shared with his rich dad, says, how come you make so many good financial decisions? And... The rich dad says, because I've made so many bad ones. I made so many bad ones when I was younger. I ran out of bad, uh, bad financial decisions and I started making the good financial decisions. But you have to go through the bad ones or the poor ones or the ones that are not based on a lot of knowledge and experience but a lot of maybe you know, hope and positive attitude and you know, all that uh, till you get to the good ones. Uh, because I know that if uh, I say this to my martial artists that I compete, I said, if you train enough and you become good enough and you compete enough, you will win enough. You won't win all the time. But if you don't quit, you will win enough because you will learn from your losses to apply into your next into your next bout or to your next championship. So there's some ways to challenge your mind, uh, for you to challenge yourself, learn more, upskill yourself, get more experience. Experience are the ones that turn out well and the ones that don't, that you learn the lessons from. Surround yourself with a like-minded and mastermind group with brainstormers who support your dreams. Accumulate a team around you. 
And in that mastermind group, it could be all sorts of people. It could be your lawyer, it could be your accountant who have technical knowledge and skills. It could be other business owners. It could be uh, your mum who might be your biggest evangelist. You might just sometimes just need a cheerleader. <laughs> I know my mum was very supportive of my dreams. Uh, and uh, I, no matter what idea I share with her, she said, that sounds great, off you go, go and do it. Sometimes you just need that little positivity, that optimism uh, from someone on your team. Uh, and remove the people who are going to try to pull you down, who are trying to stop you, who the critics, the cynics, the naysayers, the, the pullers we call them, because those people will infect your mind eventually, you know. Uh, so make sure that you will be the average. There's no saying that you'll be the average of the five people that you hang out with. Uh, so if you look at the five people in your life, you will be the average of them, their average income, their average career position, their average success, their average health, their average wealth, all of those things. You'll be the average of that. So if you want to change your average, sometimes you may have to change who's in your inner. And never give up. You know, Always keep applying because if you keep, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, there's only two times that you fail. Number one is when you quit, now you fail. <laughs> but if you don't quit, you never fail. Number two, which I think is even worse, is if you don't even start. Because you come up with all the reasons why it won't work before you even start it. You know? Rather than saying it won't work, say, how can it work? It's a different mindset. It's different vocabulary. If you think that way and you speak that way in your mind, you're going you're to be positive thinking. You're going to be critically thinking. You're going to have great imagination. You're going to have great optimism. You're going to do things with a good spirit. And I do know that you know, in life it's all about energy. If you put good energy out there with actions, because uh, motion creates emotion, then you attract the right people, the right uh, opportunities in your life, and you're going to build a great life with great people, with a great business, serving a great cause and a purpose. See you in the next K-Max.